downloads of this show are available on Podomatic.com and the Podomatic mobile app. Hey, it's time for Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit. And I'm Dr. Lisa. I give a shit. Um, You know, it's so fucking cold, right? It's like three degrees out there. But you know what? So here's what I want to tell you today. I want to get this over with. Uh, I have something I have to sort of like clue you in on about me. It's not the not a big deal. But before I do that, I just want to um, thank you for listening to Radio Free Brooklyn. And Dr. Lisa gives a shit. And, uh, you know, we do this. We do this. This is an all-volunteer organization. And it's a really great organization. And we try to, uh, like, entertain you. We try to educate you. We do so many. We have a teen program. We're helping the community. And... Um, I think it would be great if, you know, if, and we would appreciate like a $5, a $2, a $2 donation's a lot for us. No, really. You know, you give that $2 to like a big, you know, to another, uh, any other organization, they're not even going to notice. So it's radiofreebrooklyn.org slash donate. Please go to our website, find out about us, join us. Hello. So here's what I want to tell you. I want to tell you about my, I want to tell you about my Invisaligners. Because this week I got Invisaligners. Now, this is going to be, I have to wear these things in case, look it up, all right? And I'm not going to explain this all to you. So they're like braces, if you don't know. Um, but they're clear plastic, so the idea is you can't really see them uh, when I'm wearing them or when people are wearing them, but that you wear them for three months and then they straighten out your teeth. So here's the thing. Uh, I might sound a little lispy or different. You may notice the difference. But you know what? I am not fucking taking them out. I'm going to tell you why. Because you're supposed to wear them 22 out of 24 hours a day. And I realized I've only had them since Tuesday. This is cutting into my eating eating and drinking time, folks. And I can't, I can't, I mean, you can't eat or drink anything but water, which is, you know, bullshit. So a cup of coffee, that's at least a half an hour, 45 minutes. A glass of wine, that's an hour. Then you put in dinner, breakfast and lunch, no snacks. I mean, I'm totally freaking out. So I don't know. I'm not taking it out for the podcast. I thought I, uh, for this show and I thought maybe I would, but there's no fucking way. So if I sound a little weird, too fucking bad. I'm going to my, my guest today, Rosa. I mean, I, don't, I didn't ask you how to pronounce your last name. I'm going to get it wrong. I know it. Say it. Do you want to try? Es, Escondo. Escondo. Uh, you know, you got my, it's uh, Escandon. Escandon. Yeah. Okay. Which is, honestly, I've been on so many podcasts and so many, I'm a comedian, so like so many shows, and I get brought up with the wrong name constantly. So it almost I'm just sh- kind of washes over me sure now. Sure you do. I'm sure you do. But <laughs> I, I want to get it right. I think it's, it's out of respect. Oh, well, thank you. And uh, so here's the deal with Rosa. Rosa is, um, first of all, she's an incredibly young talented, multi-talented powerhouse. I'm just going to say Ooh. that. Okay, you <laughs> like, like that? that? You're a powerhouse. She's written for, uh, she's only 25, which is so, like, intimidating to me, <laughs> frankly. And she's written for, like, um, oh, God, well, Esquire regularly. She's an editor Ooh. for The Tusk. Not Esquire, Forbes. I'm at Forbes. Forbes, sorry. That's close enough, honestly. No, uh, you know. Esquire, um, call me. I'll write for you. Esquire. I'm like, I'm thinking oh. it into <laughs> Forbes. That's like yeah, even Forbes. At, at Forbes, uh, the Tusk. She's been on uh, BuzzFeed video. 
She's involved with um, this really awesome uh, art organ art art gallery organization. Think one ninety one nineteen ninety four museum, which is really unbelievable. She's I could go on the board of uh, Block Cinderblock uh, Comedy, Cinderblock Comedy, and now um, working on the uh, Black Women in Comedy Festival. So. Yeah, and this is new. So t- tell us a little bit about that. It's great. Um, if so you, say again what it is. It's say. the Black Women in Comedy Festival. How many uh, years has that been around? It's the inaugural year, which is why we're really excited about it. Non-girl year? The inaugural. First year. Oh, God. <laughs> First year. For inaugural. Oh, yeah. I like my idea. Non-girl. No. Um, you should have a non-girl year yeah, where it's all just, men. A women's comedy know, festival. The non-girl year. No. Uh, or just like, you know, people who are like, I'm <laughs> oh, a woman, not a girl. Uh <laughs> No, we have um, inaugural. Excellent. Inaugural. Yeah, it's in Bedsty, Brooklyn. It's going to be happening the weekend that melds February and March, uh, the Black History Month with Women's History Month. Um, huge. It's going to be a huge party where we have four venues all in Bedsty, um, which is going to be amazing. And I think something like sixty-five performers uh, wow. over four venues for four days. It's going. It's going to be a big crazy party and i'm wow, very excited about that it is sad. <laughs> that seems like such an exciting thing to be part of in the very very beginning yeah and it's interesting because you know obviously you're looking at me the radio audience isn't but i always joke i'm like the token white girl on the board so yeah, well you know she's very white <laughs> you're about yeah. as white pink as they get i'm yeah i'm really uh i'm almost clear is what i've heard so yeah. Yeah, especially in the winter. I haven't seen sun in six months. I, so, like, biologically, <laughs> you're half Jewish? Yes. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, two two moms, uh, one's Jewish, one's Hispanic, and I have a dad uh, who I know, he's great, but he's 100% Irish, and I look exactly like him. Oh, okay. <laughs> Irish and Jewish, because yeah. you don't look, you have no Hispanic blood, you, or no. you don't look like you do. But you have yeah. that... You have a last name like that, so that's great. So that yeah, must blow people, everybody's mind, right? People will be like, and next up, Rosa Escondone. And like, I'll be there. And it's like, oh, that's Rosa Escondone? Are you sure? Like, yeah. Um, it's, it's funny because both of my mothers uh, are both like, have like this beautiful dark black hair, like dark hair and ah. these like really great olive skin. And I am just a big old potato. <laughs> so did people think that you were adopted a lot growing up? Well, my mom tells a story where people actually thought she was the nanny. Oh, really? Yeah. That's so funny. I don't, um, I think back in, let's see, I was born in 1993. You already said I was 25. I'm not telling any secrets here. But it was actually very hard, I know, for queer people, uh, like queer couples to adopt back then. So I don't think a lot of people were like, oh, they're, you know. Oh, oh, I never thought of that. I mean, it was a little bit easier in California. I'm from Oakland, California. it was easier, but I know of the of the era it was it was definitely still a struggle to get uh, LGBT folks adopting kids. Right. Um, I think it's easier now, though. I'm not actually I'm not actually sure. I hope so. I hope, I it's hope easy. so. So back to me. And then years. I just want to finish up with the Invisaligners because you're like the third person that I have actually spoken to. Two. Can you see them? Look. I actually can't. My mother also just got Invisaligners and and she was visiting New York like two weeks ago and she kept having to take them in, take them out. And she's horrible. It's she was like, it's rough, but it's so much better. I had braces for years. 
like mm-hmm. years and years and years as a kid because I had messed up. I had some messed up teeth. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I'm like, oh, this looks great. Like you can't even notice. So, them. so what was it? So you have two mothers. So was that like what was that like? How did you how did did you how old were you? Did you figure it was unusual or like was it unusual or you grew up in Oakland, right? Yeah, so that's a very liberal community. Well, and I think also my dad is is like straight. He's been married for almost 30 years now to a woman. But um, and he was friendly with your parents. Yeah, he's like a friend of the family who donated sperm, but has also always been like, I don't love calling him a sperm donor because I think. Right. He's more than that. He's He's definitely been involved in your life. Yeah, we went on a family vacation this year. Like, like, what is a family vacation? It's you. It's me, his wife, my boyfriend, my two sisters, and my brother, all of his kids. They're all half half siblings. Um, and we all went to Michigan for the family reunion. Big Irish family, you know, uncles, cousins. Oh, so you have half? He has three kids uh, with, his, with wife his wife of about 30 years. And, and are you an only 30. child then? Only child from my mother's, like from their side. It's a little confusing because like I grew up. Um, like we, all of my siblings went to the same high school and like, I grew up, uh, the town in the town, I grew up in Oakland. They grew up in Berkeley, California. They Mm -hmm. share a board. Like they were always around. Um, yeah, we went to the same high school. We went like, uh, when we were kids, we like hung out, uh, at their house, like, you know, whenever my mom was working, like you had all the same, had the same dad. Yeah. We all have the same dad. We do. Like I went over there for Christmas this last year like but in your household you were the only, only yeah. child so i always say i'm a half only child that is <laughs> half from a so big funny. family so that must have been great having them around though right yeah it's did great they, did they accept like because you guys all grew up together did they accept like that you had you know two mommies oh, yeah it also it was so never it, it was never a conversation i'm actually i'm the youngest of the girls, like there's two older sisters, me and then a younger brother too. So I'm not even on one side or the other. Me and mm-hmm. me and my sister are only mm-hmm. like eight months apart. We're not mm-hmm. that like we're not even a full nine how months. Did, so. do, you, do you remember how you felt about it growing up? Did you ever think I wish, you know, I, w- I wish I was part of that family or anything like that or 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 it's great. I've got these two moms yeah. to myself. What did, what was your thinking about it? It was remember? a little weird because I don't know if I necessarily like, especially growing up, thought of it as another family. Like it wasn't like, oh, I wish I was a part of that family. I'm like, I'm the half sister of this family, which, mm-hmm. you know, and I think honestly, because a, a, a lot of people ask me, was it weird growing up um, like in a in a two two female, mm-hmm. like in this like different type of family household? And I always am like. I'm not sure, actually, because when you're in it, when you're a kid, you don't realize those yeah, things. Sure. Like that isn't so, like you're like, this is my family. This is this. It I don't even know if it really struck me until I moved to the East Coast, how strange our situation was, because I went to like because all of my friends in high school and all of my friends, even in middle school, like knew like, oh, she has moms like, you know, there was a every once in a while there was a bully who would like say something, but like nothing that was like so out of well, it that I was thinking that it way. It sounds like your family was really comfortable with it. So you were really comfortable with it and you had like a good foundation, like all those people and whatever. I also think that um, there's maybe a big difference, not a big difference, but I think there's got to be a difference between uh, somebody that has two mommies that 
like has a relationship with the dad. Yeah. I think that is a nice thing. Yeah. I, I think, think if your dad is an, more anonymous, that would be different. What do you think? Maybe. I mean, I can't talk from yeah, it because like, right. I have no idea. But um, I did have a lot of friends growing up, too, that had like uh, the one of my first like friends at work at my first job had two moms. Uh, I had another friend in um, like growing up uh, who had two moms as well. And he had a younger brother. Uh, the couple across the street was lesbian. Like I have to say, I think also having a like lesbian parents at the time, especially they were in like very much like the community. So like right. a lot of people I knew were gay couples or lesbian couples or, you know, they I was one of the only kids in that community. I remember that a lot of people didn't have kids until I was like much older, but you were surrounded by, you know, queer, queer couples Normal and people. like, <laughs> nor- yeah, there was so many. And especially this is, you know, 90s San Francisco. This is like, right. you know, like 97, 1997 San Francisco, which is like really the last of the gay meccas. Like it was, you know, so that's a, really a very good. different vibe. Well, you're, you, it sounds like your parents did a good job of, um, you know, choosing or raising you or putting you in yeah. envi- being themselves being in an environment that was open and accepting yeah. and supportive. Honestly, I think they moved there because neither of them are originally from the Bay Area. They're mm-hmm. both from like the West Coast. My mom was born in Seattle and grew up in L.A. And then the other one uh, was from uh, San Luis Obispo, like a small town in, in the middle uh, middle part of California. So I think both of them like on very on purpose moved to the Bay Area in the in the 80s because they were like, that's where queer people go. Like right. it was it wasn't even so much as like we want to be in a place. It's like you moved to San Francisco. My one worked at a coffee shop, one worked at a record company. Like they just were like, that's where queer people go to work and things. Right. Um, and they met when they were both uh, working on graduate degrees at Cal. So oh, and so what they yeah. they so your parents were always like they were, they were all, always knew they were lesbians. And yeah, I mean, I think. It, neither of them were, had been married or anything like that. No, neither of them. Or had long-term relationships with men. It was pretty... I know one of my mother's dated guys in college. Uh, she had, like, two boyfriends in college. I don't... She gave it a shot. Yeah, I don't... Well, I, I don't know if she was even out, really. Like, she didn't... You know, mm-hmm. it took her a while to realize that. Um, I know my mom had... The other mom... I think she's more of, like, queer. I, I do think... Like, I know that she finds, like, men attractive. I know she had, like, boy friends in high school, but mm-hmm. I don't think she's had any, like, long-term relationships so do with your, men. So do your parents have roles that might imitate male or female roles or anything like that? Or how do you see them? Um, One does seem a little bit like a goofy dad. She, she like, tells dad jokes and stuff. Uh, but no, I don't really, I, I don't really think so. Yeah. Uh, not, or... Maybe just because I don't know that in other. Do you know that? That's what I was going to say. Do you notice that in other families that men have a different role? I really might have a different. Yeah, I mean, I think thankfully I grew up around like fathers who weren't old school fathers. Like I know in my grandparents, Mm -hmm. like this was like I see it in like in my grandparents a little of like this is a man's role, this is a woman's role. But I was really blessed to grow up in places where like. There weren't, yeah, there wasn't any of that. Yeah, so. which I think is just in a way like toxic masculinity. Like I think the idea that like dads do this and wives do this is like mm-hmm. kind of in this bad place of like under, you know, like, oh, women do all the 
terrible jobs and men totally. take out the trash. Like, yeah, it's like, no, all right. totally. Um, which is, I just so you're so yeah. it's fortunate that you haven't had that. Yeah, um, no, like, as in a, you haven't grown up with that. And I, I see it sometimes now, but like, and a lot of times those relationships are not good relationships. Like, I think that men who think their wives should do this or should do that, or it's a man's role, it's a man's thing is like, those are never really that healthy mm-hmm. of relationships. So I don't know. I'm a little bit, I guess, post-gender in some ways in that yeah. way. Like I'm very much a cis woman, but I don't really believe in like these roles come from sure. anything or like actually sure. mean, mean anything. anything. Yeah. <laughs> no, I get it. I get it. Um, do you, do your parents have a good relationship? So they've been split up since I was a kid. What? Yeah. Really? No, my parents have not been together since like, I don't know. I mean, like I'm talking about the, your two moms. Yep. Your two moms have been separated? Yeah, since like the mid 90s. Since you were how old? I think like probably like two or three. Like I was young. I so was who like, did you see? So how did that work out? Did you stay with one and were they, did they have 50 50? Uh, are, like, are they technically, are they technically divorced or married or anything? Never that? married. I mean, gay marriage was. Yeah, they couldn't you know, be married. Definitely right. not married. No. Isn't that stupid? Yeah. And even when I was a kid, like civil unions were new. I think they existed, but like not a lot of people had like mm-hmm. even like full union rights at that mm-hmm. time. So because I'm, you know, in the no- early 90s, people were still like getting kicked out of hospitals and stuff like, you know, for trying to visit their lovers. Like <sighs> it like it was still a time where like that wasn't even super on the horizon. So, yet. so what happened? How did they get separated or what, what was that? How old were you? Uh I was young. I was real young. Like two or three yeah, or a toddler. Yeah, do you toddler. remember do you remember them living together? Mm, very very little. Um mm-hmm. it's actually kind of funny. The house I grew up in, one moved out when I was like very young and I grew up in that house until I was like 14. Um so I lived in that house for many many years and uh the other one just bought it. Oh, that's from the other, They have a good relationship they have their now. friends. Yeah, they have I don't I don't know if I would even fully call them friends but they're definitely have a really good relationship like i don't think they text each other about anything that's not about me or mm-hmm. their the co- house their that, co-parents yeah they're great co-parents friends and, feels yeah. pushing it sometimes no, it's, so it's really about supporting you and making yeah. and caring it's about caring for you together which is but they do a great job of that yeah they do a great like. job uh when i was really young they were like a little bit more hostile like i even remember when i was like seven like them being hostile and like you know like a normal divorced couple might be but it's been you know 20 years over 20 years now so you know that's interesting because neither of them really or i don't know i mean was both their you were i don't know how that works are are you legally bound to both of them so no (laughs) so i'm legally my birth mother she's the only person on my birth certificate and um, so and I just had one of your mothers. Yeah. So like my one of them gave birth to me. She's the only person on the birth certificate. And but at the time, lesbians could adopt a ch- like adopt their partner's uh, right, child. Right, right, right. But only if they stayed together. And they were in the middle of adoption processes when they broke up. Oh, my God. Meaning the other one lost all rights. Uh, But she stuck around. She like had me, you know. Not like probably like 40% of the 40, 60 kind of split on the week. Um, you know, she stayed in my life. And technically, when I was over 18, she could, I could legally let her adopt me. Like, I don't need a another, right. but we never did it. I guess we could. We might do it when, like, whenever she feels like her, it would help her will. Like, she might randomly do it for yeah. like if there's like an estate tax thing. 
But other than that, yeah, no. So you, so, but there's something really um, nice about that, isn't there? Something really like, you know, that, that like, I mean, cause I think, I think in hetero divorces, sometimes like one of the parents would bail. Yeah. And I honestly think like both of them really want to be mothers. Like they're, I don't know if they necessarily want, mm-hmm. like, I don't know. They're not good together. Like even when I look at them now, I'm like, mm-hmm. how is this a viable couple? Right. Right. Um, and one of them is remarried now uh-huh, to, to, a to a woman. woman. Yeah. Got married right before Prop 8 passed and stayed married since then. So now 11 years. So is there one that you live with more than the other or you did live with more than the other? When I was young, yes, but not super much. Like mm-hmm. I would say like probably like a 60-40 split. Like not, right. but not one more think, day a week. Do you think of her as more of your, mother, your primary caregiver more, a little more? Uh, necessarily. I've... You're really fair with them. I'm really fair with them, which I think it's the same way as like, you know, when your dad is like when your mom and dad divorce, like sometimes the dad gets like a little bit less time yeah, or something. I don't know. It's like kind of feels like that. But you wouldn't say like your dad is less of a parent. No, no. But, you You know, know? it's funny when you when you mix in the stereotypes, um, there's so many other expectations like, well, the dad doesn't really understand or like he has a daughter, like he's not going to know how to relate to like there's all these other, uh, you know, um, stereotypes. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's more if it's like if you're if I was a son, that wouldn't be necessarily true. It's like, oh, the dad's like, I guess like one of my moms was like was the one to always take me to the dentist probably or something when I was little. And then so I guess like in that way, it's like, oh, the, you know, the down to business mom, like the one that has to take the kid to the doctor's appointments. Like one is like that. So I guess if we're talking about like primary caregiving in like the that way, but I've never thought of it. Right. In, right like, right. cause those terms, I guess like make sense. Like one of them, like, you know, do gets you, you somewhere, do but you, do you think that you see, I mean, do you see the world in like a less category way category? Do you think that you see it less categorized than, than most people? Like, I mean, like, I don't, you know, I don't judge or I don't want to judge people by gender or they think they have a certain gender or assume their gender or their race or any of that stuff. But I am, I notice that I am aware of it. Do you think you are just genuinely don't have to get past that level of thinking of like where you're aware of it? I think we all have to still be pretty like thinking about it. I also think that in the last, like, since when I was a kid, like, the LGBT community was not tied to gender. Like, it was all sexuality. Of course, there was, like, trans people, but even that, like, we were not at the place we are now, and honestly, I still don't think we're 100% there. I think it's still... I, yeah. I can't, like, I mean, I was saying this to you before we got on. I mean, I can't believe that we aren't further along. Yeah. For, and, you know, for how long I've been watching all this stuff. Yeah, and I, I think that... But my it, my parents are not great on gender stuff too. I think a lot of people like assume I lived in this like queer utopian palace, but like my parents are they're aging cis women. Like so what do you mean like as far as like trans people and stuff like what what aren't they good about? Yeah, they're not great at like using like they them pronouns. Like they have the same struggles of like probably, you know, mm-hmm. well-intentioned straight parents. Like mm-hmm. because that they them wasn't something that came up when they were, you know, mm-hmm. fighting for their own rights. So mm-hmm. now that they have they feel more comfortable like, you know, they don't and you know, we're not 
hundred percent on gay rights in America, arguably. Like, oh, like certainly Jesus, we're not no. there we're yet. Better, but better, but the fact that their marriage is legal is yeah, like that's that's a big that's step. a huge step. Yeah, yeah. So, how did you learn learn about men or boys? Like, did you have a boy? Did you are you you're bisexual and you have mm-hmm. a boyfriend? You said you've had a boyfriend a relationship for two years. Yeah, so that's a little over two years. We yeah. live together. It's big stuff for me. No, that's <laughs> way more mature than most of the kids your age. Yeah, I think. He's, I think he's cool. I had. I mean, I had somebody in here last week who was thirty eight, and I think his longest relationship was two years. So, I mean, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, you are obviously somebody who knows how to have relate. Who, who is a relationship oriented person? So, mm-hmm. um. Did you have boyfriends in high school or how did you find out about boys? Like, well, what was that like for you? Do you think it was different than other? It's weird. I was always kind of boy crazy. Like I had like, I had like a, like a crush on a guy in kindergarten. Like I, Me too. I, I don't know. Maybe I was always just a boy crazy person and I'm not really even sure why. I had older sisters too. I have two older sisters and I think having older sisters and seeing like boyfriends are like uh, watching like right you know like Greece when I was like really young I was like yeah boyfriends you know like so I guess it wasn't for it wasn't that weird like I know it was never a conscious thing for me where it's like you learn about boys but having like two straight older sisters like y- you learn about like stuff young you know oh, right right um one of them is only like is like under a year older than me and the other Perfect. one is three years older than mm-hmm. me so like you know you you see like <laughs> You see so, them, yeah. You know, so talking you about boys. Did, did, how did your mothers react? Like, are they like totally like a normal parents when it comes to dating or boys? The boys yeah. you brought home, they certainly, I think, would rather one of them would certainly rather me be with um, a boy than a woman. <laughs> um, and I always just joke, it's like, oh, she doesn't want me making the same mistake she did. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't know why. I do think she's like, oh, you can pick. Like, why would you pick the hard one? And I was like, okay, a uh, lot to unpack there. Um, mm-hmm. But no, she really likes the current boyfriend I have. His name's Sam. I, don't, I can say his name on the yeah, air. Yeah, whatever, uh, <laughs> whatever you want. His name's Sam. He's very, very chill. She likes him a lot. So, mm-hmm. I, but I had a boyfriend in, yeah, I had one boyfriend in high school that like she met and I think she so was fine with. normal. Does it seem, I mean, from, from the outside, looking in it does seem like just easier if you if if you put it down to make a choice simple if you make it that simple it seems easier to be a hetero it's weird for me because like i guess like it's such like a i i just feel like you you know you fall for who you fall for like i i personally say i'm bisexual but honestly like i just am like whoever it is like is whoever right. it is like i don't really break it down in a lot of ways no and she is still in an older generation who does have those breaks and like have those. And also, I think just coming up in the queer community when she did, because, you know, she's she had me at 28. So she's like, you know, 28 years yeah, older than I mean, me. I'm 29. not I'm not saying that like people pick or should <laughs> yeah. pick or can pick. I'm just saying the way society is set up, it does seem easier. Yeah. Right. And I think when she was coming out, it was a very different time. Like I, you know, I think for her, yeah. it's like, oh, it's easier. I'm like, actually, it's. You oh, know, now it like, doesn't matter. Now it's different. Well, now and... it doesn't matter. Um, it doesn't matter in the world that you're living in at the time you're living in it. But there are yeah. people. I mean, in. I think there's even people in Brooklyn. I don't think we like to talk about them. And like, I don't think we like to do that. But I, I think there's a lot of like under the water prejudices still. Where oh, it's, yeah. It's very 
it's it's there. It's just deep in there. Well, you know? the one thing I'm really aware of is sexism. Yeah. So um, and the way women are treated. So uh, and, you know, I, I mean, I'm 62. I, I say this every time, but uh, in case you in case you haven't memorized or haven't heard my show before. But the thing is, it's like at my age, I'm around, I live in Bushwick. I'm around all sorts of people of all ages and all that stuff all the time, especially being involved with the radio station. And I still think, like, there's a lot, these young people, man, there's still so much, like, sexism. There's still a lot of really hipster, narrow-minded young people, right? Uh, Well, and I think, too, it's like, it's a different type of sexism. Like, I think when you think back in, like, history, like, sexism was one thing Mm -hmm. where it was like, you know, women don't belong in the boardroom. I don't know my 1970s accent, I don't know. But, like, I think now it's, like, more like, oh, maybe she would be, like, maybe we should have her on the sidelines. And like the way we talk about sexism and the way people experience sexism is this is a lot of the times, like more, sometimes it's still just like straight out there. In your face. <laughs> yeah. Right. But like a lot of the one that I think people see now is this really under the surface. Yeah. That's stuff. horrible. Exactly. And I, yeah, I, that's the part that I'm, I'm talking about that I don't think has changed that much. They call that microaggression now. Yes, is the microaggressions. So I got to I got to do another station idea. Is it hot in here? It's, I can. Open do you want to open the door I'm, a little bit? I get freezing and then very warm. I'm and feeling I don't better have... about my oh. Invisaligners. This is the first show, and I I don't feel like I can hear them at all. Can you guys? I think it's fine. I'm but you know what? <laughs> I want to remind you once again that you're listening to Doctor Lisa Gives a Shit on Radio Free Brooklyn. It's a great show that's on every Thursday, two to three live. There's also all our episodes on Podomatic or the show page or whatever. And I'm here today with um, a really, really interesting and and very, very bright, bright woman. Um, and uh, Rose, okay, Rosa Escandon, 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 and yep. um, one of the we're talking about. Um, well, she had two two women, two moms, and we're talking about those that, and we're talking about a lot of other things, and she's also. Um, very involved in uh, launching the inaugural Black Woman Comedy Festival. So, uh, you know, all the, all the, all that kind of stuff. But so I just want to say thanks for listening. And, um, you know, go to our, our RadioFreeBrooklyn.org page. We also have these great apps that you can download and then carry around Radio Free Brooklyn with you all the time, Radio Free brooklyn.org slash iPhone or slash Android, depending on what kind of device you prefer. And I also, I just wanted, I told this friend of mine who is really brilliant artist, and I want to give her a big shout out because she's having a show coming up and I want you all to know about this. And Rosa, you too, you're invited to this opening, which is going to be really, uh, love a good art opening. This is going to be a really good one. So it's Tuesday, February 5th at six to eight. And the artist is Thedra Color Ledford. She's been on the show too. Um, I had a great session. I'm going to repost with her and her son, where they talked. They talked about they talked about a lot of stuff. There was a lot of sex talk, which surprised me. But they were both that he. I I heard later that he absolutely loved being on the show. So that was great. But anyway, so she's doing this really great show called Endal Endal Nations. Um, where uh, the bodies 
a models to look like a doll. She paints bodies of models to look like a doll and then takes photographs of them and life size and then goes back and repaints them. So it's going to be really, really interesting. And it's the Ivy Brown Gallery, which is at 675 Hudson Street. That's the Ivy Brown Gallery. And I met Ivy Brown and she's awesome. And this gallery is great. So I'm going to post that as well with this on the, on my page. So you should come to that. I'm definitely going there and it'll be really great. Uh, back, 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 back to, to back you. To the, uh. <laughs> um, so anyway, so let's talk about, let's talk about, so you, you write a lot about women and women in comedy, yeah. stuff like that. So I want to hear your take on, so I, 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 I posit that I don't think women have advanced that much since my generation and which is like two. Am I old enough to be your grandmother? Don't say yes. I hope not. Yes. Do I seem like I'd be your grandmother? No, you'd be, Could you picture me as your grandmother? You, no. There would also be a lot of teenage moms, I think, somehow in that if I was, oh, if we broke down the years, maybe, it wouldn't quite work. Maybe, maybe easily I could be your mother. But I, you know, I never, I, I you're actually, if you're 62, you're the same age as my mother. Yes. Yeah, so. That's what I'm saying. But I never, I had a, I was a stepmother. Um, I became a stepmother in my 40s. So mm. I never, I, to an, to an eight year old. So I never wiped anybody's ass and, uh, I never got pregnant or any of that mm. shit. So, uh, so I, I'm not a real adult. <laughs> I'm not a real adult. That's what I'm trying to tell you. But I wanted to um, read read you viewers there, read to you, because I don't know if all of you can read. Maybe some of you can. I don't know. But I'm going to read this quote from um, Rosa that I took from my research on Rosa. And Rosa wrote, tell me if I'm wrong. I'm quoting you, Rosa. What is this in? That's my question. Uh, what did I, what? I don't know. It's off your website. You've written some. That she's written. Somewhere. There's so much material about you. I could have done research on you for like a, <laughs> a whole day, and there's no way I'm doing that. No. <laughs> I'm, an open, I'm a pretty open book. That's what I said coming into the studio. I'm like, eh, I'm pretty open. You'll... Okay, so this is what surprises me about your generation, that you write this as, as you see it. As women... Rosa, Rosa over here says, as women, we are taught to wait for the first date, wait for the phone call and wait for the ring. We're told we should let him be dominant. If you come on too strong, then you are a bitch and you'll scare him away. How is like, I'm not saying that you wrote, Rosa, did you say that? That sounds like certainly something I could say. That sounds like something I'd say. I don't remember where I wrote it. So here's, here's what I'm wondering about, like. So I was single. I mean, I had a boyfriend 23 to 31 and then I uh, had to start dating again and I was single for like an over over 10 more years of dating and not dating, whatever. And I started out, um, I actually had a lesbian therapist at the time who, whatever. So I started out. Was it my own mom? No. (laughs) Might have been. No, I doubt it. (laughs) Um, Did she have a house upstate? No. No. Anyway, so I had a lesbian. I actually didn't find out it was, you know, I found out my shrink was a lesbian because I was standing on Fifth Avenue watch and 14th Street watching the gay parade and there she was. Oh. But anyway, so, but anyway, at the time I was being influenced by that and I am my own take charge type self and I just felt like if you want to go out with a guy, take charge and do all this. And then after I broke up with a lesbian therapist and got more experience, I began to understand 
oh, you have to wait for them to call you. And that was more effective, harder, more uncomfortable, but more effective. And so that's basically what you're saying here. And so what I'm wondering about, is it biology? Is it like, why has that not changed? Well, I think women are taught that. And I think men are also taught that this is this is what's expected. Close the door because it's getting you know, it's loud. Right. Um, yeah, I think men are also like I think as women were taught it, and I think men are taught the opposite, where it's like this is your thing. And I personally don't approach dating that way at all. And I'm not sure exactly where that quote came from, but I'm sure it was someone asking asking me something like, "Oh, like talk about dating." And for me, I don't approach it that way. I think as, and maybe this is as a queer woman, I am like, oh, it doesn't matter because I often are, am pursuing people who are not male. So like, Mm -hmm. I guess who cares? But I think on the other side of that is like the guys who feel like they need to be the one who's dominant and pursuing are the guys I don't want to date. So if I get into a thing where it's like, I texted them or I called them or I did this and they're like, oh no, she's too strong. She's comes on crazy. Like that's not a guy I'm going to end up with in the long run, like fine for a couple dates. But I know very quickly if they're that into like the roles of gender and are too scared of a woman who breaks those roles, they're not going to like me. Okay. So do you think that, um, that, that is common, but okay. So are there a lot of women that are waiting for the guy to ask them out? I mean, do you hear that a lot? Yeah, from like friends of mine, I hear that still. And I think it's because we're we see it in movies. We were said it by older women like, you know, our moms may have said that or like Mm -hmm. even like sometimes very inappropriately, like a guidance, like someone who should not be saying Mm -hmm. that. And so we get into our head like, oh, Mm -hmm. like that's that's how you do this or that's how you do it. And I I think in like places like Brooklyn or where I'm from, Oakland, like that's breaking down. That ideal is gone. It's a very white ideal, I should say. But this whole thing is like kind of well, that's breaking true. down. And I think in places, though, that are not as hip and cool or young or whatever you want to call it, you are still getting like women who very much believe it and will be passing that down, you know. Right. I see that a lot here, though. I see that a lot where the see girls it. are like giggling and hanging around the guys and trying to make them I think there's like a lot of um male ego stuff where women men need to see, do men need to feel dominant. Yeah. Do you think that in every relationship one person is dominant pretty I th- much? I think in good relationships it's it's a, a give and take. I think you know like in relationships that work they're like you're not dominant in everything because if you're dominant in everything like I think that's just exhausting for the person and it's the exhausting for the other person who has to like be Mm -hmm. under you the whole time. (laughs) Like (laughs) that's not a relationship. No, that's a, that's a, that's a job. That's a job. So I think like in all relationships that work or that are like healthy for both people, like maybe there's give and take and there's, there's balancing. But Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think also like looking back at like, you know, my probably not my parents' generation. And that is because also my, parents are not straight but uh like my grandparents generation like that was such a thing where it was like men are just the most dominant one and like you know my grandfather got divorced like you know back in the day another one like you know i like my other 
two grandparents, like my dad's and my other mother's parents stayed like stayed together. And but I only really believe one of them had like a really healthy relationship, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. till the end. I think one of them Mm -hmm. had an okay relationship. How did you meet your boyfriend? uh, Through friends. And who asked who out? Um. Or were you friends? How did it happen? Yeah, we had met multiple times before I started dating him. Like kind of. Uh, he was like in your group. Kind, yeah, he was more like we have this. How I always say is we have the same best friend. His best friend from high school is my best friend from college. Oh, that's cool. So Yeah, we we're two people with the same best friend. Is how uh, we met. Great. Um, and he's really great. Uh, he's actually he lives in New Mexico now. So the, the best friend. Uh, oh, so he's uh, not even here. But great guy. We both still really That's love so him. Nice. Um, but yeah, no, we have. Uh, I okay. The first, let's see. I think I probably made the first move, but Were he you, asked me on the first date. So did you you knew you were attracted to him? Yeah, I like. I think I put out. You put out like the with first. Him. Yeah, I he I knew like. You would say yes. Yeah, he knew I would say yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that's. So I guess both. <laughs> I don't know who. I so it sounds yeah. pretty mutual. Pretty mutual. That yeah. sounds really healthy, actually. He's honestly the healthiest relationship I've ever had. I've mm-hmm. had some super unhealthy relationships and he might be the only healthy one. Look at this guy. <laughs> She's 25 and she has a healthy relationship. You can do it. You can do it, too. No. And he's he's also a very I'm very high energy. I'm a huge, I'm like a pathological extrovert is what I say. I, you are really energetic. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, I mean, look at this resume, <laughs> the chillest person I've ever met. Like he's oh, so, so you guys are really good match. calm. Yeah. He, he brings me down. Like he, he, he levels me. Right. 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 So I think that's always a good, at first I have like, I even tell a joke on stage about him being boring. Like I, it, which he's heard many times. So uh, I can say yeah. it aloud on a radio station. But, <laughs> Um, like he really does, I think, balance out in those ways, which mm-hmm. I'm and he's very supportive, which I think everyone should look mm-hmm. for someone who supports. Them. So he's not a comedian, but he supports your comedy. Yeah. He loves, does he come see you a lot? Yeah, he he comes. See, he works at night. He works. Uh, He works like uh, as a TV, like t- he works in TV. So he works nights a lot. So right. if he's not off, if he's not working, he'll usually come. So you guys actually have because yeah. I've I, I mean, that seems one of the bigger obstacles with comedians and non-comedian couples is the, the, the scheduling. Yeah. Well, and it's honestly because we live together and I like I'm, I'm a, like all my writing I do mostly from home. Like I don't go into an office mm-hmm. or anything. So like because we have such strange schedules and also mm-hmm. like we live together, like I'll see him. I see him, you know, mm-hmm. when we first started dating, I was working a normal nine to five job and he was working at nights and that was really hard. Cause it was like strangers in the night. Oh, like, right, right. That was really difficult. Um, so what about the comedy community? So women and what's, what's your feeling about women, women about gender and comedy right now are, I mean, it, you know, there's so much, there's we we all hear about it. We hear yeah. about Louis C.K. and all this other stuff. But what's your take on it since since you since I'm here? No. <laughs> and since you've written about it, you seem to really. Yeah. Are. I mean, I think it's interesting because I think there is more opportunities for women in comedy than ever before. I really do believe that that like, you know, back in the day you were, you know, there was not much room for women. I think we've that we've really busted out in a lot of ways. I think at the same time, especially in like the club model of comedy, there's like 
you know, they don't want a ton of women on mm-hmm. stage. Um, I think underground places more like avant-garde, like the Brooklyn, like Atterboro scenes are always like more accepting of women. And there's some, there's some clubs that are great and some like club owners who are amazing, uh, who like really do like put it out there. But you know, I've seen, I've seen shows without a single woman on it mm-hmm. and like, or a token woman, mm-hmm. maybe. And mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, well that's not great. <laughs> you know, you um, there's a boys what, well, what's club the, on some what, level. What's the, um, you know, what's the sensibility? Like I was at, I remember, God, it wasn't that long ago. I went to the Creek in the Cave oh, yeah. to see, uh, I think I was, I went there to see, um, he's been on the show a couple of times, um, Grant Lindahl, you know? Yeah, him? Grant, Grant I love, cool. Great artist too. Oh, he's so talented. So anyway, I went to see him and I went downstairs to the, um, you know, the, uh, the open bar. mic room. Oh, the <laughs> and it was disgusting. It was like basically you walk in there and it smells like a locker room. And there's these, all these boys standing around taking themselves yeah. really seriously. That had like the most unfemale friendly atmosphere to me. And it's too bad because that club is it's- actually one of the few owned by a woman. I know. Uh, I mean, it's like, a great club, and I'm just talking about one. I'm not saying yeah. it's like that by any means. I'm talking mm-hmm. about the experience that I had. The one, but you know, I don't the go there I've, regularly. I've so. been to mics there where I I totally know that feel. And there's some really awesome women who produce stuff there, and like mm-hmm. really open. There's mm-hmm. like women's gatherings, which is great. Like they try to get women in the door, but like, yeah, no. I have to say, walking into a room full of just dudes, and I've done it you know, hundreds of times now, I feel like where you just walk in and it's just a sea of guys and you're like, okay, well, there it right. is, you know. But I, I'm talking about, like, what I'm trying to explore is, like, the actual feelings, like, kind of what we were saying before, the microaggressions, like, what yeah. what men are feeling, what women are feeling. Like, I feel like sometimes women, you know, um, are being judged on their sexuality. And it's, I'm just saying, like, I don't know, I am an old lady, but I'm saying, like, sometimes as a young person, it's, I don't care anymore because I'm married and I'm old, but which is so, it's such a relief. But anyway, except for my, I am, let, now you have braces. I, have, I yeah, I do. I do. I now do care. Now you're a cool teen. No, now I do care. I have my Invisaligners because I do care, <laughs> but that's my teeth. So anyway, um, the point I'm making is that I think women are still evaluated by themselves and by others on their sexual currency and their yeah. their appearance and stuff like that. What do you what do you think about that? I think in entertainment that's really true. I think in comedy there's a weird double standard of like if you're too pretty, like you're not funny. And you know, I think there's like a weird thing there and audiences kind of, I think feel that too, where it's like, you know, comedy is one of the last places that you don't need to be good looking to make it in Hollywood. Like Mm -hmm. that being said, the women who often like, I think uh, the women who, you know, you know, in comedy are really beautiful, but I, it's not that Hollywood standard, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, at the same time, I, I do think like, there are weird stuff being just like a woman in the room and like things that I don't think men would comment on each other, like get commented on, mm-hmm. you know, um, and kind of looks are part of that. And like also maybe how you dress, how you do this, how you do that. Like those are things that might get commented on more mm-hmm. as a woman um, mm-hmm. by other comedians, but also by like audiences, by producer, like by anyone. Like it's mm-hmm. a little bit more 
fair game. Um, mm-hmm. I work with a lot of women. I love women producers. I love women comedians. Like I work with a lot of women. Um, and you know, hopefully it's better though. I, there's some self-hating stuff. There's some, you know, you hear mm-hmm. or whatever, but I do have to say there's a lot of great men in comedy and there's also some of the worst men you'll ever meet in no, comedy. I mean, like, you know, it is, it is all over the place, but, yeah. but do you think there that women, I mean, what what has to change what do you think like do you think it seems like there's attitudes that are really like everybody it's like everybody's saying the right things but i don't think they really believe it yeah i think um like i've been at places where i like know that guys won't say stuff to my face but like i've heard them on like another podcast or another show or something just say something disgusting and like you know that they're like to you like they're like oh this is great like cool that you're here and then like i'll hear them turn around and like say something messed up like like what would they say um i heard i well this on one show i did terrible i to be honest i was doing awful and like i heard one guy who was another comedian like turned to turn to uh, maybe he was a comedian maybe he was just an audience member and it was just like ugh, they just booked her because she's a girl and I was like, okay, like that kind of stuff is like, you hear that, you know, where it's like, mm-hmm. ugh, like, guess they had to book the woman. Mm-hmm. And I was doing terrible on that show. Like, you know, I was bombing really hard. Right. I tried some new jokes. It happens. Yeah. And like, I think if I had killed it, like maybe he wouldn't have said that. But like, he would have never said that to a guy who's bombing. Mm-hmm. Like if another white guy's bombing, it's just like, ah, tough break guy. Like where like you kind of get that feeling where it's like, mm-hmm. those are the microaggressions that I hear a mm-hmm. lot. Um, I've heard women aren't funny a lot. I've heard like that kind of stuff mm-hmm. that that almost rolls off me because like it's so dumb <sighs> or yeah. it's sen- that doesn't make any sense. No, it, I mean, yeah. I've heard a lot of, I've seen a lot of just like but, also posts to like Facebook about just like just something disparaging or like, mm-hmm. you, you know. think it has to do with everybody's insecurity though? I think like, I guess I'm thinking it does. Like, I think it has to do with like guys feeling like that they're not in control. They want to be dominant. And I, I think yeah. women are genuinely, we, we are, we are, we do worry that we're not pretty enough. We do a lot yeah. of women, right? Isn't that true? Well, and I think, too, like I whenever I go on stage, I try to not look a mess like I never wear like certain things or like I never like try to look like I'm, you know, slovenly. And if I do, I make a comment about it, um, make it into a joke. But like I do believe like I've seen guys go on stage in sweatpants. Like I think that there's like a level where it's like you. Some people just don't think about their looks and it's fine because you know, you can still make it in comedy, not worrying about your looks. Yeah. But I think as women, yeah, like I'm, you know, there's some things I don't care about. Like I don't care about unshaven pits or like what, like there are some things I've just been like, that's a beauty standard I mm-hmm. I don't care about. But mm-hmm. there's other stuff where it's like, oh no, I definitely don't want to do look like this on stage or like, I don't want to show my toes or like, I don't want to show. Um, the one you'll hear about with men is a lot of men won't wear shorts on stage. But other than that, like Why? I've ne- too uh, casual that's like an old school thing from like the old era where like you wouldn't like oh. men wear pants you know like oh, oh. it's a holdover from mm-hmm. like you know years and years and years of like you know money bruce going on stage in a suit and like somehow mm-hmm. that's gone like mm-hmm. only to don't wear shorts <laughs> but yeah i think women have more to think about than that um, yeah i mean it is something that we all have to deal with in all 
in all areas of being a woman, being a women's, being a women's. Yes. I mean, one of the things that drives me crazy is like, for example, how all women newscasters have to get made up so much. And then they, when women are made up like that, they look like they're trying to appeal to men, whether they are or they aren't. I'm not saying they are, but I'm saying like, that's, that's what it's, they're trying to look pretty. And I think like, there's nothing wrong with looking attractive, but I think like all, there's just so much bullshit that women are, I, I, you know, like in my, when I was, when I was your age, I mean, you know, we were all like, everybody wanted to be flat chested. There's all this crap now and. People want to be flat, flat chested again. That's like back. In, I, I think there's so many weird things of like, oh, people want to be this. People want to be that. I want to be flat chested because my back hurts all the time. <laughs> and someday it's going to happen after I have kids, just snip them right off. Uh, <laughs> but what do you. But, you know, I think there is like certain things where we do for other women. But I also think that like, like, I think fashion trends like my boyfriend, like, has absolutely no idea what I'm wearing at any time. Mm-hmm. He's like, that looks like I can dress up or dress, like he has no idea. Yeah. Um, whereas I think like the, that's what I do for other women. Like yeah, I, I look, we love fashion. Cause I'm like, Ooh, I want someone to compliment my boots. Like my, yeah. Or I feel like I look hot. <laughs> I want to yeah. feel like I look hot, look hot. And like, arguably a lot of like the fashion choices I make are probably not the ones like I'm wearing, as you can see, I'm going to a photo shoot after this and I'm wearing practically a turtleneck, like where it's like, okay, if you I was look great, thank you. <laughs> I think you look, I think you look, but it's, it's it's kind of revealing. It's not a turtleneck. I yeah. mean, but I know what you mean. Whereas like if I was really I feel like if I was really going for like what men think is sexy, like I would definitely be like showing more skin or like, sh- you know, uh, like doing I've, I haven't put on makeup yet. I will probably put on oh, makeup. Look, but really, you haven't. Well, uh, you I think, know, I think like you are the visual of your comedy. So I think being unless your comedy is about being sexual you kind of i think you want to have a sexually neutral neutral appearance yeah. in a certain way I, right yeah and i i mean i have some sex jokes but i'm it's never it's never like look how hot i am i think if i had jokes where it was like i'm really sexy i would probably try to like Im- embody that more like sarah Sil- would you say sarah silverman is like that or what do you think uh, yeah. about her um, I love. I think she's really funny. I yeah, I love too. her. I grew up watching. No, like, me her. too. Um, me too. But I mean, as an example of yeah, just I'm thinking more of like I'm trying to think of anyone who's like like a Jenny McCarthy almost okay. who I don't like, yeah, but like right. had so many of those jokes about being like hot and fuckable, like where it was like you needed to also look that way because if I went on stage and I was like, look how hot and fuckable I am, it would either have to be kind of that joke. Of like, and there's a couple comedians doing it on the scene right now who do it really, really well. Yeah, yeah. Where it's like, I know I'm not the most hot person, but like that's part of why this is funny. Or I just have to be really, really confident. And right, right. For me, I'm like, that's not that well, that's funny not, to me. Well, it also doesn't no. seem that integral to like the kind of work you're doing anyway. Yeah. Um, black women in comedy seem to what do you what's your thing what's your thought about black women in comedy have they been making strides it seems to me like they have what's your thoughts i think there's strides i i know that like and i i'm you know i'm just the media like a media coordinator on this festival we have an amazing um who's your headliners or do you want to mention any yeah names? we have uh Khalees hawkins who i'm wow, really excited I, yeah. about she's really funny um we have this woman named uh michelle the indie mom of comedy she's re- really really funny uh Janelle Jackson. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, yeah, I love we have, her. We have a couple of really, and we have some people dropping in too and like some featuring people yeah, who, are, yeah. who are really cool. So, uh, um, yeah, yeah. 
We're going to have some really fun yeah, shows. Yeah, you are. Uh, but our leader, Joanna Briley, has been working forever in this city. Uh, she's amazing. And honestly, like if you ever get a chance to talk to her, she's great. Um, but she's she's like the head of this festival. We have a great board. And they really it's her. Why her and this uh, other woman, Shana Christmas, uh, decided to do this festival was because like women are making these like rooms where it's like there's not a lot of black women always in it. Like mm. comedy has gotten better for women. But you know, we, there, there was like a female comedy festival in New York and I'm forgetting the name or I don't want to say it. You yeah. decide um, <laughs> who they were doing like a all women like thing. And they only had one person of color on uh, the lineup and she was Hispanic. That's weird. Where it's like not a single black woman on it. Hmm. So like, I think, you know, there's a, there's this need to be like, we are here and we exist. And I think there's been like some strides, but you know, there's also, I think women, white women have been a lot more integrated into comedy than black women have mm-hmm. in like the past couple of years. So I know they were kind of doing this festival to be like, Hey, this is great. Like, I'm not even going to be on stage on this festival. I'm helping out, yeah. but I'm like, Nope, not my mic. Well, like- <laughs> well, my perception from somebody who, who mostly is a consumer of comedy is that, um, Black women have integrated in with white women or let's say women of color have integrated in with white women better than women in general have integrated in with men. Yeah, I probably I'd have to look at some like stats on that. I I think that the thing is like a lot of men right now have like the one woman on the lineup and Mm -hmm. that woman is almost always white. Like if you have a one woman lineup, like that's a white woman mm-hmm. where it's like and some men are better. They're trying to book multiple things. Mm-hmm. And I think there's more nights like there'll be like a Latina night and that'll be great because mm-hmm. it's all Latina comics. Mm-hmm. But getting on more mainstream or like not themed mm-hmm. shows is still really hard. But you know what? I think there's this kind of boy style comedy and I don't think that's going away. And I think that can only have boys or guys mm-hmm. or men to call them whatever you want. I don't think women are ever going to get into that. And I think there is like, I think a lot of it is the consumer too, right? Well, that's like, and I, we probably don't have time for me to get, go wax poetic, but like, I think that's this whole thing with like uh booking, like guys like Louis CK, like he still has a sold out all audience. So as like TJ Miller, Aziz Ansar, like these are guys who will always have a sold out audience. So like as a booker, it's like, well, why wouldn't we book them? Even if people are like, oh, what they did was gross. Mm-hmm. This is bad comedy. This is this, this is this is like, as long as people consume comedy, that comedy is going to get mm-hmm. made. Well, I think there is a world of comedy and it's not the kind of comedy I like, like you were saying, club comedy. But I think there is a world of comedy that's just kind of teenage boy humor. And I think like that women are, women don't want to in, in, infiltrate that maybe and never are going to. And those aren't the boys that we want to date or have anything to do with. Anyway, but. we're not going out. <laughs> Screw you guys. Are any of you listening to this? You know, if, if you guys are, you know, get with it. Okay. So anyway, I, I'm going to have to say um, thank you so much. Yeah. Um, say your website. Yeah, it's uh, rosaescondone.com, or you can follow me on social media. All, almost all of them are at Human Comedian. Mm-hmm. Still want to spell my last name. <laughs> human Comedian. At Human Comedian. Stick around because, you know, we've got Elon Danziger lost and rewound after this. And uh, it's gonna. it's always really great. Elon's great, great storyteller, great music. 